0: So I'm passing around some pictures of Sharon's life. So one in particular I want you to note is, I don't see Dell and Randall, but we used to double date in college and Randall sang in our wedding. So here's, just pass these around and you can. We
1: didn't uh, have time to do it. Digital so, yeah. so, These are just for fun. You can laugh. I used to have hair. This is actually, this book
0: is our kids made for Sharon and Okay, so I don't want to distract from Sharon. So I'm, she's, let's see, we've been working on this a while and it's been a tough weekend, you know, with like 50 people living in your house i'm sure everyone's exhausted so uh, so your uh uh, understanding is appreciated so i'm going to ask her some questions i'm going to give you kind of a profile and then prompt her to talk about her life so here's some quick facts uh she's a 67 year old white female (laughs) She majored in Biblical Studies at Lipscomb and graduated in 78, I think. Um, She's a registered nurse, or used to be. Can't get any more money out of that degree, so. Um, We've been married 46 years. She has uh, three children. I guess we have three children. And she has 10 grandchildren who've been in our house all weekend, so. Um, So some of her... um, She's done BSF for like a thousand years. Um, her nickname, one is Shay Shay, one is Mouse, because she's terrified of mice. If you ever want to have a good time. She's baked about a thousand loaves of bread. She her favorite song is I don't know what you're The Dance Garth Brooks. So if you come, (laughs) if you come to her funeral, you'll hear that. Um why is that funny?
2: It's,
0: so uh she asked she asked like fifty people to describe her, but here's some of the words like bread. She's like bread is her life. Or she's mom. She's a perfectionist, so she's been working on this presentation like a year. And she's uh very sensitive which goes well with me since i'm quite insensitive <laughs> so we make a good pair so um that's about it. she ran the bonnie bell with nan arnold Gurley and jen bennett like anybody remember the bonnie bell so with that kind of scattering of facts and pictures. I'm going to turn it over to her and she's going to give you her kind of global thought process about how all of her life came together so neatly.
2: Send
1: them. Well, David said to me this morning, you know, I might go off script and I was like, Yeah, I'm expecting that. Well, all of that was off script, just so you know. So anyway, um, I never really know exactly what he's going to say, so it was risky to ask him to help me with this process, but I thought it would make me a little less nervous and move me along a little faster. So the interesting part about this process is uh, uh, when they asked me, I first thought, no way, I'm not going to do that, and I don't really love being up in front of groups of people Um, talking about myself, but then I thought well why not, I'll just challenge myself to do it, get outside of my comfort zone and um, it turned out to be a really good process Uh, a process where I reflected on my life uh, whereas I probably wouldn't have done it in that way and it was therapeutic for me and I um, I just realized that things that had a big impact and I was grateful for what I learned, and um, and I noticed that there were some strong threads that really ran through my life, and you'll see those as we as we go through faith, family, community, things like that. <clears throat> so I'm glad I did it, even though it was stressful, and I didn't work on it 100. I just worked on it a little bit, and I have it written, but I'm guessing... I probably won't be able to read it, because I'll be nervous, so uh, you just get the impromptu version. So, you're up.
0: Okay, and what were those themes that are woven
1: through your life? Faith, family, and community.
2: You wanna talk any more about that? Not right now.
1: Okay. Uh, Yes,
0: uh, (laughs) ma'am. So let's start at the beginning. Um, Your early years, maybe until you were about 11, how your family and residence shaped you.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I was born in Durham, North Carolina at Duke Hospital. You're familiar with Durham, I know, the Collins. I was born in 1956 to Joseph Ross and Isabel Nevins Ross. Uh, we moved to Indianapolis, Indiana when I was two. We, my dad was a doctor and so we pretty much followed his career. We did move around a good bit. Um, <coughs> there were five children, four girls born within five years and one of uh, my sisters is sitting here today, Miss Mary Hearn. <laughs> There's a lot of pictures in these envelopes that uh, have my sisters in them because they were a huge, uh, important, impactful part of my life and still are. They're my best friends and we've been through a lot together and we had a lot of fun together. Um, later on, in 1969, my parents brought home a little baby boy named Jeff and he, we adopted him into our family and he was kind of like our pet, our little doll baby, and we pretty much spoiled him rotten, so he, um, he was a, a good addition to our family. Uh, my dad always, I always kind of identify with number two daughter, because whenever we went anywhere, that's how we got introduced. This is my number one daughter. This is my number two daughter. This is my number three daughter. So I always think of myself, that was, just so you know, that was my birth order. I was number two. Things that stand out to me from my early life, Um, my parents came from a a strong Christian heritage and they instilled those values into us. We knew what was important to them and what their priorities were. Uh, We um, our their faith, our church community. We were in, in Indianapolis. Our church community was North Central Church of Christ. Every now and then there's a connection when you throw these things out so uh, we were very close to that community, and um, it was an important part. A lot of my memories are tied up with that church community. I feel like I got from my parents and our the way they lived their life a really positive view of God, and and I didn't think about that till I did this process of how. What, they, what their values were and how they thought about it impacted me in a positive way. Our family was traditional. My dad was the bread maker. My mom a homemaker, but she was in charge, and she could do in- just about anything. Um, she was a, a the consummate teacher. She liked to teach us. She taught us to sew and to cook and to do all kinds of things with her hands, and, and uh, We had a peaceful and loving home and lots of good memories from that time.
0: So, a couple things. Tell us one word that kind of describes you growing up in that era and then a favorite memory.
1: Well, it might depend on who you ask. I don't know. Um, I, I get the impression from people around me I was a bit mischievous and there's a lot of stories about those things. I know I ran away a couple of times, and I also um, uh, decided that I was going on a fishing trip with my dad one time, and I packed my clothes and put them in the car, and he took them out, and I packed them, put them back in. <laughs> he took them out, and it kind of went that way for a while until I realized he was not going to take me. So, But I, I really did... Um, we have a lot of fun, mar- that's the one thing I got from this, is we had a lot of fun. You know, our parents enjoyed the holidays, they enjoyed having a good time, and they enjoyed us. So we had a lot of fun growing up. Not that it was all perfect, it wasn't, but, um, but I did, you know, all that came back to me. Uh, but here, there's one story I want to tell you, because I feel like it really shaped my view of God in a different way. Um, I was very close to my dad, I sort of idolized him. I wanted to do what he did. I thought guys had more fun than girls so I wanted to you know hang out with him and I'm sure it was annoying sometimes but I wanted to to do things for him. So one day I decided I was going to iron his shirt. I didn't ask anybody. I was about probably 10 or 11 got all the stuff out. I knew how to iron because my mom had taught me that but um, I don't know if any of you remember but in the 1960s the men's dress shirts were nylon. And so, um, I you know, I didn't take that to account, so I got his shirt, and I got the iron, put the iron down, picked it up, and there was a nice, neat hole, the shape of the iron in the shirt. So, uh, And this is such a, a vivid memory for me. And I just fell apart, I was crying, went to my mom, and she had her standard thing of <coughs> You're going to have to talk to your dad about that. (laughs) And we didn't really want to disappoint. My dad was a gentle man, but you didn't want to disappoint him. So I was nervous. So that night I had to take the shirt and show it to him. And he just looked at me and he said, did you mean to burn that hole in my shirt? I said, no, of course I'm crying. I didn't. He goes, you know, I can't be mad at you. I'm not going to punish you for something that you're doing because you were doing something for me. It's just a shirt, and I still remember that, and that's the way he was. He lived his life with an attitude of grace. He taught that to us, and um, that's just a, a, a really uh, memory that sticks out to me because I think it taught me a, a real-life lesson, so that's that's the end of that. Good.
0: So we can, to the word sensitive, we could add stubborn.
1: Probably. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
0: It also uh, underlines why we disagreed over our discipline policy toward our kids. (laughs) My father would pull out the belt and just start whacking on us. (laughs) (laughs) We had to reconcile that. Okay, let's move to your, uh, you moved to Charleston, which is a naval town and a different environment. So your formative years there, what happened? So we, um...
1: (laughs) This, uh, uh, this, this section, when I went back to remember it, I realized this was really hard for me. I hadn't really thought that through because it ended up really well. But I was 12, and, um, and most, you know, you know what it's like when you're 12, you're starting your teenage years, and my dad took a position in Charleston, South Carolina. And that was very sad for us to leave our church community. I still remember them singing, blessed be the tide the morning we left and sobbing. And I just thought it was the end of the world. I was a little bit dramatic. And um, so we went, off we went. And I thought that I had moved to a different country. It was very foreign and very strange. And I think Matt, her, my brother-in-law and I were talking about this we all had different reactions to it. So I don't really know how my sisters felt, but um, I, was, I hated it. You know, I thought this is the strangest place I've ever been. I, walked, I woke up in the morning to these strange tropical birds outside my window. It, it didn't, you know, it just felt so different and foreign. And um, so I was, it was a big adjustment. And for the first time in my life, I, I felt lonely. I don't think I'd ever had that feeling before. So luckily, Charleston is a very friendly and hospitable and charming place and won me over. I soon grew to love it. I love the water, still love it. love the water, the beach, the history, everything about it. Um, We we joined another, well, there was two Churches of Christ in Charleston. And um, one on our side of town very small, so that was our choice. And so we joined that community and that became very important to us as well. Um, I did pretty much the normal teenage things. I got my first job grading tomatoes in the tomato sheds on Johns Island, Um, an underage job you could get. I got my driver's license at 14, ran a paper route, um, pretty much pushed all the limits and challenged my parents. so it was but it was a really fun time for me. Um, I didn't really have any Church of Christ friends my age so uh, I ha- I was ex- exposed to a lot of different faiths and beliefs, a lot of different cultures and and I really look back and think that was good for me. It pushed my thinking. I struggled a lot. asked a lot of questions about my faith and the things I had been taught. And um, I I, I was going to say this, I went back, but my friends thought that I belonged to a cult. And they still to this day, I made some very close friends that are still my friends today that I get together with every year at Folly Beach. And they still laugh at me because they thought I was in a cult because we didn't drink or dance. And in Charleston, that's, that's really odd, not to drink or dance, so. Um, but anyway, that's kind of how it went. Any favorite memories? Well, I don't know if this is a favorite memory, but a couple of things. Um, when I was, summer before my senior year, my parents decided to take me on a trip to New Zealand and this was a campaign of Lipscomb students. My dad went as the campaign doctor because the, lead, the director was a friend. And so they took me kicking and screaming. I went, but I went. The only high school student besides one other with like 50 college students, but uh, they felt like it might be good for me. And that's where I first met David. So I, I was, uh, I knew David because some of you know this, but David is my cousin, (laughs) as well as my husband, and it's okay, though. We've checked it all out. It was okay. Um, We're second, we're not, we're third cousins. So anyway, uh, but I didn't really know him. I knew who he was. I was paired with him to knock on doors. Um, I think there was a a method to that, a reason for that, but I actually got to know him as a friend and, and really admired him and looked up to him, and and that trip turned my life a different direction and, and really changed me. So my parents were very wise. You know, they knew the things that we needed and, and tried to point us in those directions. Uh, a memory from high school specifically is we lived in, in Charleston. My high school class was, I was a minority. Um, <clears throat> so it was you know the black students and white students and there was a lot of racial tension, I think also in Nashville as well. But my freshman year, I pulled up one day with my sister to school, and there were racial riots. So there were policemen, tear gas, all of that. It was very frightening, and uh, so that's the, kind of the environment I was in um, for a couple of years until that calmed down. So that gives you just a little. I was exposed to a lot of different things in Charleston. Is is the point of that memory? But anyway, okay. Am I going um, fast enough? Yeah.
0: I mean, <laughs> We're at like age 16, so, <laughs> so maybe talk a minute about college.
1: A minute. Okay, that, that, was, a, that was a pointed suggestion. Um,
0: now it's 45 seconds. <laughs> I came
1: to Lipscomb after that. I, I started college early appearance on my parents' suggestion because once I came back from New Zealand I felt different, felt like I needed a change, decided to start Lipscomb early, finished my Lipscomb English at Lipscomb High School. Uh, My sister was already there. Uh, Another culture change for me to come from Charleston to Lipscomb, I had to take all the hymns down in my skirts within one week and um, we, we were kind of used to a lot of freedom growing up where we were and so that changed. And so it was a little bit of different environment, but I adjusted. Uh, My roommate, one of my roommates there, was Dale Wilcher, and we became good friends and still remain good friends today. We did a lot of fun things together. I reunited with David. We were friends until we realized there was more to it. Um, Melanie is, you know, she was part of all that. She remembers all that. so we did the research about whether it was okay to get married and we, because we were in love and we, we worked it all out and ended up being married. But during college, I didn't want to leave once I was engaged and I was going to have to leave to finish my nursing, so I changed my major to Bible or Christian education for women. And um, <laughs> I couldn't take the Bible, the preaching courses, but I could take everything else. Dale Wilcher did it with me. We were the second women in Lipscomb to ever be Bible majors. So the, the year before, Joetta Hines, some of you know the Hines. They were, they were, she had started the trend and we followed along. Not sure what we thought we were going to do with it, but, um, but it was great. I loved every minute of that. Um, got married the summer before my senior year. And my favorite memory from college, I think, is playing flag football.
0: And you graduated in August...
1: 78.
0: and had a baby. October of 78, yeah. So she was a yeah, girl when she graduated.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it, was
1: it wasn't quite planned that way, but anyway...
0: All right, so now we have the rest of your life. So you've got um, a lot to talk about there. (laughs) Kids, grandkids, Otter Creek. um, Where do
1: you want to start? I'll just start at the beginning, I guess. So, um, as he said, I had my first child, Nicole, um, 13 months after I got married at age 21. And then the second one came along about a year and a half later. Um, I'll never forget the phone call to our parents when we found out we were expecting Nicole. We thought, oh, they're gonna be so excited. We were excited. You know, we thought it was fun. And a call, you know, my parents, silence. No response. No, oh yes, this is great. And his mother, where's Paulette, had a few Choice words to say, <laughs> but you know it was great. We thought it was great. It wasn't easy, but um, but we were happy with that. Our our third child, Megan, came along five years later, and I love being a mom. It's just one of the great joys of my life. My kids are are the best. Um, not better than yours, but the best to me, and I, I have no regrets about the choices I made to be a mom, and I loved every minute of it. Now, not, maybe not every minute, but a lot of it. Um, when we, when Jonathan was a baby, uh, we went through a little bit of a difficult situation in our church family. I had some hurts and decided it just wasn't right for us, so we started looking We had been to Otter Creek on Wednesday nights. Anybody else did that for the singing? And really thought about it. Uh, There were a couple reasons we did not want to choose Otter Creek. Um, But we finally thought, well, let's just go after several months of not knowing what to do. And our kids had been sick with ear infections. And it was just kind of a difficult time. I didn't really have friends with children and so that was a little bit isolating. My, children, my friends were not, had not had children yet, and so um, anyway, we came to Otter Creek. The preacher here was Tommy Daniel, and he really touched, touched us, you know, in a way that we needed. So we kept visiting and decided Otter Creek was the place for us. So I'm gonna read to you what I wrote about Otter Creek, because I think that'll be easier I might add something I don't know but anyway. We came to Otter Creek a little broken and weary and found a place that valued, I'm going to get emotional, that valued God's grace. The people we met were loving and kind and welcomed our family with open arms. We found them to be spiritual people who were seeking God's will and we felt the presence of God's Spirit in a powerful way. There was a kind of a freedom here we hadn't experienced before. Freedom to question, to think about things differently, and to accept each other's opinions. It wasn't perfect. We've now been here 42 years, which I cannot believe. We've um, we've lived through the good times and the ups and downs and the bads, but it's been a huge, huge part of our lives. I mean, 42 years is the majority of my life. I thought about that. I mean, this was a really sobering part of this process. When I remember I mean there's so many memories I can't even know where to start but I know when Lori was up here she said these are my people and that's true for me too it's been a huge part of my life and our life together we raised our family here and uh, we learned a lot about what it meant to be a child of God in this place Um, do you want me? Why
0: don't you talk about your grandchildren for a moment?
1: For a moment? Well, do you want me to talk about my memories? You sure?
2: Because I have a few.
1: Stubborn. Um, well, anyway, I my grandchildren. I've ten grandchildren. Um, one who is um, grown and working. She's came with her dad when Nicole got married. We love her dearly. We have. Nine more from twelve down, and I thought I knew what joy was until I had grandchildren. And it's just such a pure kind of love. And um, I have uh, spent the last twelve years just loving on them, and hugged them all this morning as they cried because they were leaving. And and I don't know what else to say. <laughs> five girls, five so boys.
0: So, what's one of your special memories? a memory?
1: Of the children? Of anything.
0: you remember
2: anything?
1: (laughs) Oh, you talk talking about in general? When
0: you said you had some memory. Oh, okay. We didn't rehearse. We did
1: not rehearse at all, so. (laughs) Um, Well, I just want to go back to Otter Creek a minute. I can't go back without mentioning two things. One was the Peanut Butter Gang, which is the group of ladies that took me in when I first came. And we all had little children, and they would get together and eat peanut butter, and they would invite me. And that's how I got to know people. And then um, there's a few of those people in here today that were part of that. And, um, and the other was camp. So I can't talk about Otter Creek without talking about camp. Um, I went from the first time we had it, and I think Marlene and I were the head cooks for, like, how long? 15 years and so there are so many so many memories um, about that time and how the hospital visits, the ticks we had to get out, the the heat, the tie-dye, the the time we had, the, our nurse took an Ambien, and then we needed her in the middle of the <laughs> night. We wake her up. <laughs> uh, and then we were like, "She's not coming. You, all you got is us." So, anyway, um, wonderful memories. In fact, in, in lieu of of the tie dye, this summer we had grandparent camp, and we this can be grandchildren too. I decided it'd be a good idea to tie dye. And so it was just me and david and um so we tie-dyed and david has some opinions about whether that was a good idea or not but i
0: i'll just say she tie-dyed with a single grandchild and left the other eight with me. For <laughs> <laughs> about an hour per grandchild. And
1: David exaggerates, you. as you all know. But anyway, I have a really, <laughs> a really cute picture of all my kids and their tie-dye shirts and bandanas that I really treasure, so, okay. Okay,
0: so you talked about faith and family and community, and then you wanted to talk about a couple of, uh, I guess, hard things, and we don't have too much longer, Okay. So you want to talk about your
1: parents? Just, you know, the two hardest things I think for me have been dealing with my parents with Alzheimer's. They both had it. It was a very long journey and it was a journey where I felt sad almost every day. And um, that was hard. That was a really challenging. Um, but but really the hardest thing for us and for me was when our son had a traumatic accident. and. I don't talk about it much, so I don't really know how this is going to go. <laughs> but Are you
0: going to talk about your parents first?
1: No, that's all I'm going to say about it.
0: Just your parents? Okay. Yeah. So uh, many of you were here, but uh, it was in 2005. Our son, was Jonathan, was run over in New York City by an 18-wheeler, and we were up there almost six months, and he was—he probably should have died. But it kind of uh, it was a demarcation point in our lives. Before work and after. Okay. So you're
1: the one that got choked up.
0: <laughs> well, I'll just say, Otter Creek, that was our family up mm-hmm. there.
1: Yeah, it was really. Uh, so you
0: can talk about the rest of it.
1: You know, I have. Any of you who've either lost a child or had this something happen to a child. Or, or someone you love. You know what it's like to be completely helpless. But we got the call. You know, we basically were in shock. He was in New York in school. My other daughter was also there in school. And um, we we just couldn't function. We had to call Jim and Marlene Butler, who came, and, and they made our plane tickets and packed our bags, got our younger daughter out of Lipscomb dorm. You know, we all went to... New York and I came home uh, for four or five months later and he he had some pretty significant injuries which we didn't think we didn't know if he was going to survive them or not it was very traumatic and um, we measure our time before and after um, we had never experienced this kind of tragedy and Here are some of the ways it affected us. The grief and the fear that we had to feel every day for months. I moved to New York and um, David came and went. That was another culture shock. Maybe that should have been a threat in my life. I don't know. Uh, We were very isolated during that time um, from our friends and family. Uh, I became a caregiver, a communicator. I became his advocate. We were in New York Presbyterian Hospital, which is a big hospital in New York. Luckily, um, we were there because they saved his life. And we had a lot of uncertainty during that time. We didn't know how it was going to end. We didn't know what was going to happen for a long time. But God really showed up for us during that time, and, and uh, I felt his presence in a way I don't think I've ever felt it before or since. Uh, I wish I did always feel that way, but under different circumstances. Um, somebody came every week and stayed with me. Mostly those people were from my Otter Creek family or my my own family. Every week somebody showed up, a couple of people who had never flown before showed up and and navigated New York City with me for a few days so I wouldn't be alone. People sent food. We still have a box of cards about this big. People sent cards, they sent us money, they, somebody brought us coffee, you know, every day. We had a, a shelf in the waiting room where people had sent food that we shared with other people in the waiting room. The Manhattan church um, showed up. The, uh, somebody there, gave the minister maybe, gave us, we had places to stay for a while because of that. The Lipscomb community uh, sent things and cards and random strangers. just um, it was amazing and life sustaining. Uh, Otter Creek was a huge part of that because we stayed connected to Otter Creek here and got lots of encouragement. It was early days of cell phones, I guess, so we someone helped us start a blog, and the blog was how we communicated with people back in Nashville. Um, a memory from that. After about three weeks, Jonathan had a condition that was once again life-threatening to his kidneys. And we were unaware of it, but the doctor came and got us and said, I need to talk to you. So we went to the quiet room, which we'd been in several times, but we know when we go to the quiet room, it's not good. So we went to the quiet room, and he said, told us about this condition and said, we don't know yet if he'll be able to survive it. We were feeling like we were over the hump. So it was a, a really um, shocking and and you know we were devastated and I just remember that moment because we didn't even talk, we just took each other's hand, we walked straight to the chapel, and we both just laid out on the floor, just flat on the floor with our, you know hands down and we prayed together, and in that moment. God was, I felt his presence. I, I felt the comfort in a way that was just hard to describe, but that is the low point of my life right there. And uh, then we got up and we we went on and turned out Jonathan did survive. He had um, a long recovery. The other God thing was uh, they had discharged him to rehab. I was going to have to live there with him and take care of him because his insurance was there. And it was a horrible day. Uh, Jonathan had a stomach virus. Um, I, I sat in this little rehab room thinking, "How I can't do this. He's, hard. He's not really even mobile. How am I going to do this? And I got this phone call. It was David. And he said, our insurance is going to take Jonathan and I can't say this Vanderbilt is sending a fixed wing plane for you in two days. You're coming. So we came home and we came home to this family who put their arms around us brought us food, helped us with our I mean our dogs, somebody took care of our dogs for a long time I don't even, uh, Trina and um, and we got to be here where we had that kind of support and love and help and uh, we spent he spent a little more time in the hospital and in rehab and then he came home so some good things came out of that Um, Jonathan reunited with his high school Mm -hmm. sweetheart Rachel Stinson they eventually got married and um, he did after after a few more surgeries and treatments he did recover. He's got a few you know bumps and bruises and scars to show for it but he was able to resume his life, got married. Um, During the time period he was recovering, Rachel and I went back to nursing school. So I just felt like I just needed more information if he was going to have trouble. So we went to Belmont together which was Uh, A sweet time and a year later my daughter Megan did the same thing and all of that was because of Jonathan's accident Uh, Jonathan ended up getting married going away to law school and now he has five children so (laughs) God redeems our our sorrows and our tough times Um,
2: I'm not a part of any of these people's backgrounds or school or education, but I do have a connection with Jonathan. Our boys went to Lipscomb High School That's right. with Jonathan.
1: Well they grew up here too.
0: Well
2: I grew up playing football myself and I loved it. And so I, I went back as an adult to watch kids games, parents I might know or I might know, just for the fun on Friday nights. And. Uh, all of a sudden I recognized there was this guy that was extraordinarily talented and gifted by God for speed. And he had a lead on somebody in a football game. He was gone. <laughs> and he
0: just looked like he was there for this. So always remember your son
2: and his athletic ability and his... Uh,
1: well, the doctors said, they said if he hadn't been an athlete, he probably wouldn't have survived. Yes, yes. He yeah, just come off of... Playing college ball and was very fit, and they said that probably what saved his life. But mm-hmm. um, who got his feet? Oh, me, absolutely me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, the one thing people ask me about this experience, I get this question all the time, and they'll say, um, Did it make you angry? And I, I had to think about that because I'm not. I don't want to be self-righteous about it you know there's nothing better about me than anybody else but but it didn't make me angry um, I felt grief and I felt sadness but I knew I think I knew and understood that we're not promised that bad things don't happen But but I did what I did get from it is um, I learned how close God draws, pulls to you when you need him. And, but I didn't ever, like, rage against it. I don't know, maybe there was something wrong with me, but but I just didn't feel, I don't feel like that's the promise we get in life, is that nothing bad will ever happen to you. So maybe I was just a little more philosophical about it. I don't know. So. Okay,
0: so just one comment. One thing that I'll never understand is how something that, traumatic or emotional I used to think well it'll pass in a year or two or five it never does no so I, I can't quite figure that one out yeah so, all right well it, I think that's uh we have time for maybe one question
1: <laughs> anybody
0: have a good question sister Mary maybe i leave anything
1: out Mary <laughs> <laughs> Mary, uh, just
0: for family order, Mary was the clown of the family. You know, figured, you know, no, the you know, entertainer. Entertainer or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, what order. Is the order? yeah, what
1: is the birth order? Your
0: second and Mary's
1: four. 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 okay. Four. She's always wanting
0: attention. Is Jennifer
2: the older? <laughs>
1: I had Laura was my older sister. No, you don't know her. But then it's me, and then Jennifer Goodman. Some of you know her, and then Mary, and Mary. I don't know. Mary's just kind of the joy of our family. You know, she was happy and and you know, just always makes yeah. me feel good.
0: Why did your dad move around so much? Being a doctor, was he in administration? Or- yeah, he was more
1: academic. He didn't have a practice. Pulmonary doctor. And so he did research and then he moved to administration. and he, And he ended up at Vanderbilt where he graduated from school. And my parents came from well, David, I have a connection with David because my dad's from Tompkinsville. David Van Hooser from Tompkinsville. And my mom was from Salina, Tennessee. So they moved back to Nashville once they started getting grandchildren here. So. What was your maiden name? Ross. Ross? Uh-huh. Ross. Why did you run away? <laughs> <laughs> I never did that. <laughs> Where were you going? Where was I going? Yeah. Well, I didn't go anywhere, just to the end of the street. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was just kind of, kind of, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, Carol. Well,
2: <laughs> Maybe because you were number two.
1: Well, what I just, meditate? I kind of wanted what I wanted, you know, and if I, if, if people didn't see the way I saw, I, I had to temper, you know.
0: What's the key to being married to David Shaw?
2: Okay. <laughs> We're
1: out of time. We? <laughs> We're to <gonna> have to pay you to go through. Thank you. I think
2: Jerry had a question. Yeah. I was in the Hillsborough Church the day that Basil Barrett Baxter, the preacher there, some of you may know who he was, um, yeah. announced. Yeah,
1: he was supposed to marry us, but then he got sick, so...
2: He, he, he announced that Joe Ross, who's in medical training, and Isabel Nevins were in the audience and were engaged to be married. <laughs> <laughs> now, what year was that? 52? Yeah. I think. think yeah. yeah. That was... Yeah. Good. Uh, i never never forgotten that. I've forgotten a lot of things. That. That's funny. <laughs>
1: That's funny you remember that. Hey, yeah. Two, two quick memories that I have that I
2: know you all have, too.
1: Um, I remember helping you and David move yes. from the garage apartment in Greenhouse. Absolutely. To Tampa. Yep. How and do I you know remember that? Well, because
2: I just... Yeah. Um... And you were, I guess, seven months pregnant with Nicole, and it was so hot yeah. that day. And and it was Linda and Eddie Trebacin and Dodie was there, David's other brother, and and you, you know, you just kind of had to sit and say, get that box and put those things in <laughs> box. And then I remember after Nicole was born, two things I remember. You said she didn't have a pink dress. And so I went and bought her a pink I do remember that. And, then, and I don't know if this was her first bath, but I remember going <laughs> over and helping you give yeah. Nicole a bath. And somewhere, here's a picture of, because you showed it to my girls. Yeah, okay? I've I've got here's it. a picture of me with Nicole yeah. over my shoulder. Yeah, I've, I've still bed. got that. Yeah, yeah. those are two really sweet yeah. memories I have.
1: Betsy, most don't tell
2: them anything bad on <laughs> no, no, most people know what a fiercely competitive athlete Mr. Schaub is. Um, but my first acquaintance with Sharon, even before Otter Creek, was um, that my social club, including Jan Bennett, were well known as we had won the Lipscomb Female Powderpuff Football Championship for three consecutive years and then I was a senior when she was a freshman and she and upstart Del Wilcher were the two running backs who ran all over us and they became the football champions as freshmen at Lipscomb. So she's a champion football player as well. When she said the running ability came from her it, it wasn't just David. Now the 1600 ACT score may have come this right year.
1: <laughs> okay. I think we All, all right. Are. Thank you. <laughs>